Good evening, everyone. The Ravens are 2-0. No reason to start clapping now. But anyway, but the Ravens are 2-0. And how amazing it is to have a winning football team here in Baltimore. It almost calls us to forget the season that we've been living through with the Baltimore Orioles. One of the worst seasons of all time. In fact, they're probably going to surpass the amount of losses that they accumulated last year. I think they've only won about 40 games out of the entire season. And yet, in the midst of that season, we kind of highlighted Chris Davis. Look at the faces on Chris Davis. Okay. And Chris Davis was given an extraordinary salary for his hitting potential. In fact, he led the majors in home runs for a number of years. And then he went into a slump. He didn't just go into a slump, he kind of crash-dived into that slump. In fact, he had one of the wor worst non-hitting records in baseball history when he went 0 for 56. In the midst of this slump, you actually had a good shepherd show up in Boston of all places for Chris Davis. A nine-year-old boy named Henry Frasca wrote a note to Chris Davis. This is what he said. The way you play baseball has absolutely nothing to do with how good a person you are. Also, you are incredible. You've played in the major leagues. You've done it for a long time. Everyone goes through a slump. Don't give up. We're rooting for you. When we think about it, Chris Davis is not the only one who goes through a slump but rather each and every one of us can attest in our own lives that in our relationship with God, in our life of faith, we too have gone through slumps. In our first reading, we hear about how Moses has to stand in the breach with God when the Israelites go astray and they go into a major slump as they build a golden calf they forget the wonders of God leading their people out of Egypt. And now they're worshiping an idol. Moses reminds God of his promise. And God relents. God never goes back on his promises. And there are some times like this little kid Henry of nine years old, where we have to stand in the breach for those who might be going through a slump of faith. 
And then we hear in our second reading from St. Paul how first and foremost he counts himself as the greatest sinner, how St. Paul was arrogant, how he persecuted the faith, how he just did not understand, he did not get it, until one day on the road he encounters the living, resurrected Christ, and his life is completely transformed. And then in our gospel, we hear how tax collectors and sinners were hanging on Jesus' every word, and how the scribes and the Pharisees kind of took Jesus to task. This man eats with sinners and welcomes them. Newsflash. All of us are sinners. All of us are in need of God's grace. But the amazing thing is, is that even in our sinfulness, even our rough edges, especially when we go into slumps like St. Paul or the people of Israel, God does not give up on us, ever. And that's something that we not only have to understand here, but it's something that we very much have to understand here. God cannot imagine an eternity without us. And so when we go through a slump, when we find ourselves in the thicket like the lost sheep, when we find ourselves in a corner that's hard to reach, or under the bed, or under the rug, and cannot be found, God goes searching. It's an active search. He wants to find us. He will not just readily let us go. God is crazy for us, and God loves us unconditionally. Here's the thing, and we have to make sure that we don't just allow ourselves and to go into that camp of false prophets, where we're told, well, God accepts you for what you do and how you do it and how you want to live your life. That's not this. God loves us and accepts us for where we are right now. Yes. But God loves us way too much to keep us where we are right now. Because when we encounter the resurrected Christ, when we experience the presence of our living God, we are always transformed. We can never, ever be the same. And so when we encounter our living God, it is a call to conversion. It's a call to get our act together, to live our life by the light of the gospel. And if we have truly been claimed for Christ, then to be courageous and bold in our discipleship and not slack for any reason. The Christian, the Catholic, has to be different. And so we can approach God for any reason and say, I'm sorry. Go to the sacrament of reconciliation and God forgets our sins. 
So often what gets us into trouble is that God forgets our sins, we're the ones who hold on to them for dear life and won't let them go. But God is merciful. And he will search until he finds us. He will not give up. He will leave the 99 of the righteous behind and go after the lost sheep. He will sweep the house until he finds that lost coin. And he is like the father of the prodigal son, who as soon as the prodigal son returns, it's not condemnation, but rather a welcome home. Put the finest robe and sandals on his feet. Kill the fattened calf, and let's have a celebration. In the same way, my dear brothers and sisters, if we know the slump, like Chris Davis, that we've gone through when sometimes we've had the worst hitting record in our relationship with God, when we have not been able to hit that home run that everyone expects of us, when there's few in the seats, in candom yards, because so often you have to keep winning in order to keep your fans. And when the going gets rough, the seats many times are empty. God is always in our corner. And we have to remember that if God has shown us so great a mercy in our lives, then as the body of Christ, the way that we bring others to him is to show that same mercy to one another. To write a letter of encouragement like Henry. To be the good shepherd who goes after the lost, who sweeps the house until we find that coin, who welcomes home those who have been gone for such a long time. And to remember that if God, if God embraces us and welcomes us and shows us mercy, then we should do the same for one another time and time and time again. Not so that we can remain in our sinfulness, but through God's grace, the intercession of the saints, the powerful sacrament of reconciliation and feasting on the bread of life and the cup of eternal salvation, we might overcome it. What's the difference between a sinner and a saint? A sinner is one who, knowing his or her sinfulness and trying, gives up, stops, doesn't rely on God's mercy walks away. The saint, even despite one's sinfulness, getting knocked down time and time and time again, not only will pick themselves up, but will have the courage and the humility to allow others to pick them up, place them on their shoulders, and bring them back to Jesus Christ. That's what makes a saint. And so, my friends, this upcoming parish year, may there be great celebration in heaven. But that celebrating 
like Chris Davis finally overcoming a slump, hitting a home run out of the park. It doesn't come from the 99 who are righteous, but from an unexpected place. There is great celebration in heaven when one sinner returns home to the Lord. Rejoice with me because I have found my lost coin. Rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. In just the same way I tell you, there will be rejoicing among the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And I tell you in just the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who have no need of repentance. May we be that nine-year-old young boy, Henry. May we write letters of encouragement to one another, build up the body of Christ, challenge each other to be saints.